Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I will be your host for the next few minutes to talk about Peanuts, Charles Schultz, and all things Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and Snoopy too. So sit back and enjoy. Again, Blockhead listeners, welcome to another episode. Today we have part two of our interview with the wonderful Brian Gordon of the hilarious webcomic Foul Language. If you aren't following Foul Language, you should be. <laughs> Check it out on Foul Language Comics on Instagram. You can follow it on Facebook, Foul Language again, and that's F O W L language uh, and the, both L's are in there right so uh, foul language comics there Facebook and Instagram and he's on Twitter also so be sure to follow Brian wherever you can you will not regret it if you haven't done so already get out there and do it uh, you can also check out his website foul language comics Dot com where you can pick up wonderful prints for your refrigerator. So be sure to, to look for those. And also he's on Go Comics. And if you're on Go Comics, you can follow lots of great people. So uh, do that, okay? Um, give Brian your support. Uh, like all of us, he needs it. Uh, although he's doing pretty darn well on his own. Uh, be sure to check him out, okay? Because you can always use, use the, uh, the additional fans. You, you can never have too many fans. <laughs> is there a point at which you can have too many fans? I don't know. I, this is something I, I shall never know. <laughs> I shall never have the answer to. Uh, but you can do that. Uh, yes. Okay. So um, I'm happy to spread the, <laughs> spread the news about foul language. I, I really like it. Uh, and and uh, I so I did a promo piece all in one day. I sat down and did a little animated promo piece for the last show, and I'm tweaking it again for part two of this show. So uh, check out my Instagram feed for that. It's a little animation. Uh, I think I put it up. Uh, where the heck else have I put it up on on YouTube on my my channel on YouTube, which is Jeff Grogan's Blockhead. Strangely enough, on YouTube, uh, <laughs> it would have been Blockhead, just Blockhead, but somebody has that already. Wouldn't you know it? It's like a motorcycle channel or something like that it's not at all comics and cartoons <laughs> so look for jeff grogan's blockhead on youtube and you will find that little promo piece a couple of other things i've put up in the past some of my animations and actually uh some of these episodes are are being posted there now uh you can listen to old episodes if you want to so um hopefully more of them will be going up as time goes on last time i told you about my patreon page patreon.com slash Jeff Grogan. Surprise! That's right, Jeff Grogan, spelled G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N, where I am doing uh, whatever it is I'm doing, and there's all kinds of, you know, going to be all kinds of patron-only exclusives. Well, <laughs> wasn't I thrilled, wasn't I excited the other morning to, to open up my email and see that I had gotten my first patron on my Patreon page? Now, that is a benchmark for me, and it's not just any old patron not that any old patron is something to to you know be dismissive of but this was a cartoonist this was a great cartoonist who is is now supporting me on patreon and and i can't be thankful enough to the wonderful jens Stiva, who is the cartoonist behind that hilarious comic strip dunce which you can follow on instagram at dunce comic dunce the comic strip Produced in Norway. Maybe it's the only Norwegian comic strip I read. <laughs> but I've been following Dunce since I think I first encountered it on Tapas back in, I don't know, 2014, 2015, something like that. Uh, where I first encountered Foul Language, too. Uh, back when it seemed like there would be a home on that space for uh, on, uh, those kinds of comics. But anyway, Dunce has gone on to be a big success in its own right. I love it. I follow it all the time. It, it is hilarious in any language. Fortunately, it is on Instagram in English. And it is uh, one of the delights of my day. 
and I hope that you will check it out. I've got to get him on the show. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should try, try to do that anyway. That doesn't mean that everybody who signs up to be a patron is going to be a guest on the show. I believe that would be called a bribe <laughs> or a quid pro quo, as the term goes. Uh, and at least uh, in the past, there were some legal ramifications as far as I, I know, and I don't want to go there. <laughs> Uh, you know, especially when I, I end up with, you know, thousands of patrons, it's going to be, it would just never work. That is not, <laughs> that is not one of the, uh, the, 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 the offerings of, of patronage uh, to be on the show. It's just that Dunn's comic is hilarious and, uh, I've enjoyed it for a number of years and I'm just tickled pink that my first patron is a cartoonist of the caliber of Jens Stiva. So, uh. Thanks, Jens. Well, enough of my rambling. Uh, I think I get obnoxious when I ramble too much and I'm too happy. And it's a good thing that I'm not always this happy because then, you know, where would we be? So, Brian Gordon, part two, Foul Language. That's why we're here, Foul Language Comics. Here's part two, me and Brian in conversation. And uh, I'll talk to you at the outro. Bye for now. I get a lot of people like asking for advice or whatever on parenting, and I'm like, oh God, I don't know. I don't. And I'm like, I'm just, uh, I'm cartoonist. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. The uh, cartoonist MD over here. I'm like, I'm just muddling through as, you know, as much as, I don't know if I know any more than the, the guy who works at the gas station or anybody else. I'm like, I'm just. You know, I, I don't know. I just I know how to draw ducks. I'm just, you know, like I instead of like just complaining about things over my coffee break, I get to draw them in duck form, which seems like a lot of trouble. But, you know, it's like uh, I wonder if you had drawn them as as real kids it, rather than anthropomorphic ducks, if they were people, if you would have had the same if you would get the same responses or if people would be really upset. You know, I think there is you do get a little bit more latitude at that, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and something I've learned from, uh, Hallmark, uh, this is like, uh, the reason why so often you see animals on cards instead of people drawn, uh, even cartoon people is that animals, uh, people can see themselves in a cat uh, far more numbers of people. Like if you draw like a cat and it's like, happy birthday, you know, and it's a cat talking like that could be me, you, your sister, you know, person, you know, somebody who's African-American or Asian or whatever. I mean, like that's, you know, it's, it's more of a, uh, this universal avatar versus like, if I just drew like, Oh, it's a white guy with a beard and glasses and blah. I was like, really? I'm not a white guy with beard and glasses. You know, it's like, that doesn't, that's not me speaking, but if you draw, you know, like a duck and it's like, oh, you know, that's as much of a African-American or an Asian or a woman or anything is as anything else. It's funny every once in a while, like I'll do something with my cartoon and uh, the kids will be, you know, call out the main character. Uh, they'll be like, hey, dad, blah, blah, blah. And almost invariably, I'll get comments saying like, wait, that's a dad, you know, where people who are just kind of casual fans, they just assume that like, oh, that's the mom and sure. whatever. And they just see themselves in the character and, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's totally like what it's like to be a mom. And they'll just kind of put themselves in that character's uh, um, place. And so, yeah, I, I do think it makes it um, more universal. And, you know, that was a, a conscious decision to do so versus making it so just this is about specifically me because I, I wanted people to be able to relate to it across the board, whether they're in a w whatever stage of life they happen to be in or whatever race, creed or color they happen to be. So, mm -hmm. sure. It's a great distancing device in a way. Uh, I wonder now if you've ever had a comic strip that really ticked people off and you got really bad uh, response to it. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. The, uh, there has been a handful of one. There was one that, gosh, somebody pointed out to me where this woman, they were, I wrote this cartoon and it was, it was fairly, 
I, I, like I, I'm thinking like if you think this is bad, I've, heard, I've written worse. But um, it was this cartoon about essentially the the just the cartoon. And again, I'm paraphrasing myself because my bad memory. But the uh, the dad is saying like, oh no, we can't go to McDonald's today. They're not open on Thursdays. And the kids are shucks. And then you know, like on the bottom, it was something like take advantage of this time. They're not going to be this stupid forever. And, you know, and it was, it was kind of harsh calling your kids stupid or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, essentially, end of the day, I'm like, I'm just trying to get out of feeding my kids junk food too often. So, uh, but somebody posted this on their own blog. And it turns out uh, this woman was kind of a influential blogger, whatever, internet personality with a big following. And she wrote this screed about this is everything wrong with parenting today. And she was just like, my cartoon was just like, so see, this is like an abusive parent. And this, this is the sort of child abuse that's going on in families, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was just like, you know, I was reading it and I was just kind of like, and people were just piling on. And I was just like, oh gosh, I should kind of weigh in and let people know that, you know, like, no, I, I'm like, so I was like, oh, hi. I'm like, hey, sorry to a, I know this is kind of a rant here, but uh, I just thought I'd chime in and uh, say that, like, this isn't, like, I love my kids, and if you read The Greater Body of My Work, you can see, yeah, it's kind of a cathartic whatever, but there's a lot of stuff in there about how I love my kids, too. Just, that's not that funny, so I kind of lean on the, the catharsis part of it, but I'm like, eh, there was no, and blah, 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 you know, junk food, service or so on. I'm like, just, just so you know, and I try to be very respectful and whatever, and it just came back where people are like, no and then it was just like these just angry people and i was uh my work was compared to um oh, the uh, uh segregation in the 60s uh like that it was just like worse than you know just like jim crow <laughs> sort of what i'm like really like worse like my cartoons worse than jim like yeah. you know and you know so i was just like i think you're kind of you're getting a little carried away here. You know, it's like, you know, I, yeah. yeah and, and it was this sort of thing like, uh, and, and I said in the, the comments of the time where I'm like, I think if you were to go back to uh, like Jim Crow era, whatever, and be like, Oh yeah, I know how uh, you're worried about, uh, you know, like as an African American, like I get it, like the, your struggle of, of, you know, segregation and not being able to go to schools and not being able to drink out of water fountains you know, it's just like this duck cartoon I was reading, <laughs> you know, it's just like, so I understand your struggle. It's just as bad as that, you know, it's like, like, no, no, it's, it, I think you're, you know, kind of doing a disservice to all the other horrible things out there by comparing it to this. So yeah, every once in a while, people will just take it completely the wrong way. And there's only so much you can do to convince them otherwise. And at, at this point, luckily, I have enough of a uh, following and enough fans that if somebody really uh, misconstrues something I've written that in somebody will get like really offended um, that other people will chime in and defend me uh, for me you know they'll they'll kind of step in and so I do the the hard work for me of like like oh relax like just he doesn't hate children and blah 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 I'm like oh well thank you what that guy said you know so yeah um, so that's nice but but for the most part, people are pretty kind. Yeah, I was going to say it's kind of a hallmark of our, our culture, the times we live in, that kind of piling on upon. Yes. You know, and and uh, it, it can be, obviously, in calling out injustice and whatnot, it, play, it, it has a great role. But then certain times it can just be misplaced anger, people taking their anger and just throwing it at, at a convenient target today's convenient target somebody yes. uh, a, a slip of the tongue or somebody said something some phrase that was off kilter and let's go after it can go after this person uh for whatever perceived offense and and i guess that's that it's natural it's human but at the same time it, it gets way overblown and and unfortunately yeah. it can have an impact on on you're writing afterwards because you can yes. be, you know, I know if it happened to me, I'd be like, oh my God, I want to go crawl away and hide in a cave someplace and, and never write another thing again, you know, or yeah. maybe the next time I write something, it will be so afraid of offending this or that person that I won't actually say what I need to say, or it just won't be funny because yeah. 
you know, humor is in conflict, as you were pointing out earlier. And sometimes, you know, conflict is ugly sometimes. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I, I think I, I try not to read the comments too much when my, you know, at at first, you know, when I talk to, you know, baby cartoonists coming up and, you know, like, okay, well, you have to, it's such a fine line of, you want to, so many people, uh, there's folly on both ends of it where um, there's cartoonists who will come up and they, they'll be so like headstrong about what they're doing and you know, Oh, no one thinks I'm funny, but it's them, not me. And I'm like, yeah, it might be you a little bit, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, it's like, that might not be entirely, you know, it's the sort of thing where um, yeah, you might just be an undiscovered genius or maybe you're not, (laughs) Maybe you're just not, uh, you know, connecting. And if you, and, and you know, the the way I, I, you know, view it and I've said so much, I'm like, okay, well, like you don't have to quote unquote pander to an audience, but I'm like, if you just want to write cartoons and you don't care what anybody else thinks of them, then just write them in your journal and don't share them. You know, they could, that could be your own private diary that you just write. And, but if you're trying to so much of, why we cartoonists cartoon is because we want to share something with an audience. We want to get that validation of a chuckle or just know that we're connecting with a wider audience. Or maybe it's a serious cartoon and you want to share a point and maybe move the needle on the the zeitgeist of the moment or something. But it's the sort of thing where um, first you, you have to be, especially at first, you have to be kind of mindful of like, is my work being received in a way that I think it should be received. And if not, you know, and having the, the, the wisdom to say like, okay, well maybe, you know, like this cartoon is really working or people enjoy this aspect of it and try and be true to yourself, but also don't be immune to constructive criticism either. You know, like no one, is perfect and we can all do better. And especially if you're trying to appeal to a, a broad audience, you gotta kind of be mindful of what's connecting or what's not connecting. And if you're just, if you want to stick to your guns and do the stuff that's not connecting, then that's, there's arguably merits to that, but don't be surprised if no one's reading your comic. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to do, but I've had and, that experience, yeah, <laughs> you know, but by the, by the same token, you know, I, I tell people like, you know, you're going to get sycophants who, you know, who think that you're amazing and are going to blow smoke up your ass and, and you can't listen to them too much either. Where like, uh, you know, and you'll have people that are telling you that you're the worst thing since segregation and Hitler and you can't listen to those guys either, you know? So it's like, you have to find the the right voices to listen to and uh, try and grow as an artist and as a writer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work for very little pay, <laughs> So you know, to keep doing this and to keep doing it for a long while. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, like, again, when I, I, there's so many younger cartoonists that I've just blown away by and admire. Um, but the, 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 the one way that I sometimes, you know, when I'm like, like, Oh my God, they're so much better than me and, or whatever, like, Oh, they're connecting with such a larger audience than I am. And, uh, it's the, the one thing I take pride in, I'm like, yeah, but I have been doing this since you know 19 you know like before most of these kids were born and you know and it's uh maybe i'm not the fastest runner out there but i have been running longer than a lot of the other web cartoonists have you know so like it's this marathon of just doing this i'm 50 now and uh just there's not a lot of you know i don't have a lot of peers that you know like when i go to like a convention or something most other web cartoonists out there are like half or younger of my age and you know they they look at me like i'm like this wise old talking tree it's just like such an anomaly like what should should you be doing something real with your life by now and i'm like yeah i know it's crazy but yeah i just whatever reason i just kept at it i know it seems crazy but yeah so and you're you're working at this full time now. There's yes. there's no other job. That's great, man. That's yeah, it. this is my job. And I mean, I I do you know I say that, but you know I I do supplement this with freelance, and I've got some other uh, irons in the fire because it it 
it's not a, it doesn't pay super well. And I'm glad that my wife has a full-time job and she can help me pay the mortgage. And so it, it, it's constantly, you know, like the struggle to try and make it, make more money and make a better living at this because, you know, it's not a hobby. It's my job. The struggle of trying to monetize the thing you do for love, you know, is, yeah. is hard. So yeah, it's an uh, ongoing discussion we, we have here on the show and with every cartoonist I talk to, it, certainly you're one of the most, I think, visible and successful web ca- cartoonists out there. And, the, and as you pointed out quite rightly, you've been doing it a long time and in environments that were pretty demanding. I mean, that working 18 years at a greeting cards company with a quota, you're not going to run out of material and you're not going to run out of ideas. You've, you've got that stuff. And it's hard. I think it's one thing to do cartoons for a couple of years, but it's another to do it for 25. And yeah. Foul language shared all over the place all at once, and I think well, that's it's great. I mean, well, it's thank great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. You know, it's the sort of thing that uh, I often say. You know, I feel, you know, on one hand, I can toot my own horn. I'm like, oh, it's hard work, and you know, I put the, the hours in. But you know, I also got really fortunate, and I got a lucky break with that. You know, upworthy thing, and had that not gone through, I don't know what would have happened. You know, maybe I would have moved on to another cartoon or something at this yeah. point. But uh, yeah, it it took off and I feel very lucky that it did. So yeah, here uh, we are. Yeah. Kind of crazy. So Brian, let's um, talk a little bit about some of your influences. I mean, one of the things that, sure. that I keep forgetting is that the, the, the podcast is a tribute to Charles Schultz. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's, I love talking to other cartoonists about where they're coming from and what they've done and what their work, how their work yeah. is developed. And that's really important. And I think it's really important and, and would have been to, to Charles Schultz too, because he was a great supporter of younger cartoonists coming up. And there are lots of stories about him taking yes. the time to talk to him. And I know you're a Peanuts fan too, but you know, so let, let's talk a little bit about some of those cartoons and, and comic strips and cartoonists who've influenced you and played a, a role. And uh, sure. I know Peanuts was one of them. We might as well start with Peanuts. What, yeah. what was it? You know, what do you love about Peanuts? Well, you know, it's funny. It goes back to, uh, I was, as a little kid, I, my dad wasn't, you know, he wasn't a, a real sporty guy and he was, you know, working a lot of hours. So he was largely like kind of out of the parenting thing. So I was, I was mostly raised by my grandmother. Um, I mean, what my parents weren't absent, they were just at work a lot. So I was just home. And uh, the thing I did to keep myself busy wasn't so much, I, I was a very indoorsy kid. So I would just uh, draw from the funny papers. I would just sit there and I would like I was I loved reading the funny papers even before I could read uh and then I would just copy the cartoons out of it for whatever reason and uh my parent my grandmother or whatever she would put down a roll of like uh my first art paper was like you know the paper that you would like wrap meat in she would just kind of came on a roll and you know tear me off slice and I would sit down with a pen or something and just kind of copy pictures and I would get positive feedback from, you know, like my family for like, oh, look how well he drew Snoopy or, you know, wherever I happened to be in the, the cartoon that day. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like positive feedback. This is like, I'll do more. And so I just kept, you know, copying more and more pictures out. And I just uh, especially loved uh, Peanuts and Charlie Brown and Snoopy. And and my parents got me uh, a couple of books, which I still have on my, my shelf of just collections. And I would just read them in my own little horrible like six seven year old way to them in the car and then they they'd kind of like uh-huh uh-huh and it's like and then the dog says uh you know <laughs> so it's just like and i was just kind of a, a big big fan and and i remember sitting down one night i was either six or seven and there was an interview on tv and this is oh gosh back in uh, i'm gonna say like 76 or circa 76 77 somewhere there you know kind of schultz you know kind of being a a huge huge you know like celebrity at the time might have been a 25th anniversary or something of that nature yeah Yeah. so for whatever reason he was uh he was on some like uh, evening talk show kind of 60 minutes sort of show and they were just interviewing him and they were kind of you know just like any piece you know like oh here he is drawing at his table here he is talking about his work and uh and there's and i just remember sitting there just like wow i'm like that's so cool and he seems so nice and like look he's actually drawing the things that i'm reading and it was just 
Uh, and I'm like, cool. And he was like, oh, and I'm a you know syndicated cartoonist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, syndicated cartoonist, cool. That's what I'll be. And so it's like, and I had no idea what syndicated meant. I just knew that meant you got to draw cartoons. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. So from that point on, like, I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to be my job. You know, like other kids want to be astronauts or princesses or whatever, or superheroes. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be a cartoonist. That's my thing. And, uh, just like the guy on TV. And, uh, and so like, and I was so stubborn and tenacious about it that, uh, all through school where they would, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to be learning algebra. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like something a cartoonist needs to know. And I was just like, you know, like, thank you. I'll pass. I'm like, when it's like, like if, if we get back to something more cartooning related, I'll pay attention until then, you know, like I'm just going to be doodling here in my sketchbook, you know, where, so I, which I wouldn't recommend, I, you know, learn your math kids. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so that was kind of, and I remember, uh, somewhere there's a picture, uh, I did a mural on my basement wall, which my parents, God love them, uh, let me do where I drew, uh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy and, uh, uh, they, and, you know, my, I remember my, uh, grandmother got me like a, some sort of big pie plate or something to, so I could trace the circle for Charlie Brown's head on the wall. So I wouldn't screw up the circle and uh, you know, and they took a picture of it and somewhere I have a faded old, you know, like Polaroid or something from, you know, however many 40 years ago uh, of this thing that was drawn on my wall. And it was like, yeah, look at me, I'm making cartoon. It was just like this kind of big moment for me. Cause I, I never played any sports. I never, I, you know, academically, as I said, you know, I was just floundering, but cartoons was my thing. And then, uh, continued through school. And then I remember seeing, uh, as like a tween or a teen or something, I came up, I was in a bookstore and I came across a book of, uh, a collection of far side cartoons. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, that was like hearing the Beatles for the first time. I'm like, what is happening? It was just like, <laughs> just gonna knock me on my butt. And then uh, it was kind of like a real, like a trifecta of uh, Farside, uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Bloom County that were in the papers at the, at the same time. And I was like, and, and of course, on the foundation of like peanuts on top of that, and it was just like, this is a, and I just couldn't, you know, I was just so excited. It was just, you know, um, you know, to just devour this stuff. And, you know, so yeah, I was just for the longest while I was kind of, uh, aspiring to do like far side sort of gag cartoon stuff. Cause you know, like creating reoccurring characters was, you know, kind of a next level hard for me. So I was like, oh, I'll just draw whatever kind of like in a far side way. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I cut my teeth on back in the day. And then, like I said earlier, the, uh, you know, I went to art school and they were like, cartoons bad, you know, like angst, good, do big, ugly paintings of people drowning in blood. Maybe that's your thing. (laughs) So it's just like, okay. And so it it took me a long while to circle back and realize that, uh, um, that this is a thing. I remember an art teacher in school asking me, it's like, okay, why, when you do sketches for these paintings, are you, you kind of cartoon your sketches, but, um, you know, you're, you do these real serious, realistic renderings at the end. And like, why is that? And I'm like, I don't know. This is just how I like to draw. And he's like, maybe think about that. And I'm like, huh? And it didn't really make sense to me at the time, but you know, many years later, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is, this is how I like to draw. You should pay attention to that. That's, there's something to that, you know, like, you know, I, I like to draw this way, but I'll do that other thing if I have to. You know, it's like, mm, you should just do what you like to do. So, yeah, uh-huh. you know, it's a matter of finding that the real you. And, and so many times there's so many different paths we can go by. And, and one of the things that I always find in teaching is is or that we're always looking for in teaching uh, is is that inner you know, that inner sensibility, that essential sensibility that, that exists within each person, their, their, you know, the core of their artistic being and what's most natural and fine and peeling away the layers of artifice, uh, to get to who you are is very, very, it's a difficult process because as we grow older, we just layer more ideas and information and different, different choices, you know, on top of, 
our essential self and finding who that essential self is, is in part, you know, a parcel of peeling away what you've layered on top already and, and getting back to, you know, as Picasso said, learning how to draw like a child again as, as an yeah. adult. And it's very right. difficult to do. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, you know, there's the cliche of, you know, do something you'll, you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But, and, <laughs> you know, what, there's a, it's, I, I think that's, it's a little trite. I think it's um, maybe a more, uh, uh, you know, uh, more realistic version. It's like, do something you love and maybe it, you won't hate yourself, you know, like, yeah. the, you know, maybe you won't want to drink yourself into a coma at the end of uh, your week. You know, it's just like, if you can, you know, like, it's still work, you know, it's, there's, there's days where I'm like, do I want to draw a cartoon or would I rather take a long nap? I'm like, Ooh, a nap is much easier than, you know, <laughs> trying to like, you know, no one ever criticizes me for the way I nap. I'm like, Oh, that sounds nice. I'm like, so I'm like, yeah, it is, it's hard, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this thing that's hard. That is also something I love versus there's people who have to, I don't know, like, go into a coal mine or something. And they, they, I, I don't know how much those guys love coal, you know, it's like, yeah. just like, okay, they're, they're having a struggle to do their job too, but it's better if you're, you know, at the end of the day, it's like something that you love doing to tie it back to parenting, you know, like being a parent is hard and that's, but like you love your kids. So like, okay, if you didn't love your kids and you had to, take care of these people like I'm like oh my gosh I'm like I don't know I think I would have left them out in the curb by now <laughs> you know if they maybe you know it's I joke that uh if your kids treat if anybody else in your life treated you like your children treat you all your friends would be like this is just a negative you need to get this person out of your life you know this is a bad, <laughs> this is this is a, a a dysfunctional relationship and you need to dump that guy immediately because this, <laughs> yeah. this is you know like that is just horrible no one should treat you that way and it's like oh but it's my son I'm like oh no you're you're stuck with that kid yeah no that's yeah. You, you you have to deal with that that's that's your problem I'm like oh, it goes so. on and on yeah. yeah what you were saying before and what we were talking about about guys going down in the mines and whatnot i think in so many ways, I think there's so much, so much of like the, the difficulties in in society come from this, I guess wasted or not wasted, but undiscovered human potential. You know, in the sense that people, they there there's this there's a self inside of them that is capable of doing a variety of things. You know, at a variety of different levels. There's there's like some some folks are are born to be doctors and nurses and some people are born to be hockey players and and sure. yet somehow if you don't find your way and it's very it's and this is partly why i think you know artists tend to live i mean it's a big generalization but they do tend to to have longer lives and w why so it's because they found that what that pathway you know to that inner being and i know so many people who always said to me you know as i was growing up you were lucky that you know this about yourself because i never did you know yeah. and and you you get through you know 50 years of your life and and you still haven't found that thing inside of you that motivates you on a regular basis something yeah. that inside of you and it's not necessarily you know an exterior thing like children or or you know relationships or things of that nature but something that's essentially the core at the core of yourself and and uh you know it's it's if we could only find a way of unlocking those doors you know for people you know it, it it's I, I think we'd be in a much better place than we are and of course you know i tend to think that one way or the other both education and also allowing children to be children you know and grow up and find themselves through play in a way as kids oh, for sure it's really important but I'm, i digress <laughs> <laughs> no but it i i think there's uh something to that yeah there, there's something uh important about you know finding something you love and doing that you know and some people don't get to do that for a job and that's fine too it's like some people just it's their hobby but other people if they're fortunate enough can also make it their job somehow and yeah, it's yeah. awesome and you know like we're it i try not to uh uh i don't know take that for granted that like okay this is you know this is hard and there's days where i feel grumpy and i feel like i should be making more money for all my hard work etc so on but i'm like 
yeah, but you know, I do love what I do and yeah. there's, you know, that's, that's a big deal. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah so when I, I, when I go into a classroom with kids, I, I just, I get one, I love talking about what I love, what I love, you know, <laughs> I love making comics. I love making animation. I love, uh, the history of animation, the history of comics I get. I, and every day at work, I get to go into a classroom and talk about that. And I'm very, very fortunate. And I, I know that. And I love, and those are the aspects of the job I absolutely love. And when you see a young person, uh, all of a sudden click and do some stuff that's that's knocks your socks off you're just like this is like christmas it's, it's oh, of course yeah opening up a big package it's fantastic and the same is true when i i do my own work i mean that's the biggest buzz is when i put something together and it works but to find your way to making art one way or the other is just a gift and uh and as a as we are very fortunate people but before I, you know, go off into Hallmark card territory and <laughs> do a monologue on the Hallmark channel, one of the things I, I noticed about the strips that um, you were talking about, you know, when I think about, okay, so what is it, the, the, the strips that Brian has identified as, as essential, you know, to his development, um, Peanuts and and uh, uh, Farside and Calvin and Hobbes. Well, it's interesting, none of those strips are particularly nice, you know, in their... <laughs> approach to the world. I mean, we always, there's this, this like veneer of nices, niceness over peanuts, you know, that comes from the merchandising stuff. But the, the reality of it is the core of it. Peanuts is a strip that is not all that nice all the time. And, yeah. and the same thing is true. I mean, certainly Farside has wry sense of humor and, and it's surreal in a lot of ways, but uh, Calvin and Hobbes is about kids. But again, it's another look at kids that is kind of jaundiced and, and cynical and, and uh, you know, I mean, very wise in a way, but also he's not at all sentimental. You know, there's no yeah. sentiment. In that and that kind of plays out in foul language. We don't see uh, sentiment in your work. I mean, even when you do say something sentimental, as you pointed out before, you know, I love my kids and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you undercut it almost instinctively every time with, um, you know, something that's going to deflate the candy coating of of uh, any of those ideas. Yeah. About kids' it, life. You know, it's the sort of thing where... I know where people are reading my stuff and that's, you know, social media. That's where most everybody gets their content for everything. And I figured I'm like, well, you know, a lot of these mom groups or whatever, like they, they get plenty of the kind of saccharine memes and, you know, updates of people posting pictures of their kids and such. And, you know, God knows I do the same, you know, it's like, I'm not like, saying that's bad or whatever but it's it's sort of thing where i'm like i'm just trying to show the other side of that you know it's like okay you know and there and again there's very little that's funny about just like i was saying before like just being just like oh kids are sweet and my my little cherub face honey bunny is such a cutie and whatever it's like well that's great but nothing i want to read about so it's the yeah. sort of thing where I would rather lean into, um, you know, maybe some of the more honest or darker or whatever stuff. There's just something inherently more interesting and compelling about reading about the struggles of parenting versus like, you know, there, of course, there's inherent joys in parenting and, and anything. But it's uh, it's a lot more fun to write about the, the hard stuff. And it's a lot more interesting. So, um, yeah, so I, I think I've always been drawn to that and just the, the darkness behind the peanuts and the, the just there's just something and Calvin and Hobbes and um, Bloom County and so where you see like, oh, there's something it kind of touches something a little bit more real than, say, like Family Circus, which, you know, I appreciate on a different level. But it just uh, it, there's just something a little bit more real, something a little bit more. Like, yeah, no, I, I get it. It's it's hard. And, you know, yeah. life is hard. And you just, you, I don't know, it just seems a little bit more real to me and far more interesting. Yeah. And again, it's a very rich wellspring to draw from. And, you know, I was just thinking that if Schultz didn't have that reserve of, 
of uh, resentment and uh, <laughs> anger about rejection. Sure. Childhood, whether it's from the little red-haired girl or whether it's from um, publishers or whatnot. I read somewhere that he remembered every slight one way or the other. And if he didn't have that, and, and yet on the surface of it and in person, he was a very nice guy. And that, that yeah. didn't affect his interactions with people. But it was the stuff of comedy. You know, of yes. great comedy, and uh, and he drew from that, and and I think that's where obviously that's where comedy comes from. It comes from hurt, it comes from anger, it comes from these these darker emotions, and this understanding that we all that in life we all get tripped up, and we all, you know, uh, come face to face with our failures, and like Charlie Brown does, you know, and yeah, and yet we continue on, you know. But that's what life is about, and uh, yeah. he he. Uh, he found a way of using conflicts, simple conflicts like Lucy and the football and yes. Charlie Brown trying to kick it to reveal things about the inner personality, whether it's the kind of sadism that, that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that inspired Lucy or whether, or yeah. the desire to conquer one's weaknesses or, or the, the wherewithal to continue on in the face of adversity that Charlie Brown had, uh, he he utilized those tools to to find deeper things about character too, which I think was is unexpected and was never expected in a strip like that. You know? No, of course that was the thing that was so uh, kind of revolutionary about his work is that it was deceptively sweet and kind of mm -hmm. simple and and cute, and yet there was like just a a pathos and a darkness to it that good old Charlie Brown, how I hate him. You know, it's like, that's, yeah, yeah it's just like, like, wow, that is, yeah. Like, <laughs> right from the start. yeah, that is crazy. Just to have something that was just kind of like that one, two punch of sweet and yet kind of dark at the same time. It's, it's no wonder that uh, it was such a smash and that it, it, but at the same extent, you know, it's like, I'm very pleasantly surprised that, it was it grew into the juggernaut that it became you know that being that it, it was so deceptively sophisticated that people weren't put off by the that that they you know the masses obviously enjoyed it and like and, and whether everyone got that or if it was just like those who were perceptive enough to really pick up on the the, the darkness you know and reading between the lines or whatever and i don't know it, it's there's something wonderful about it on many, many levels. And I love going back and rereading, you know, like the classic older stuff. And yeah, it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's so rich. And, and so is Calvin and Hobbes and Calvin and Hobbes is different yes. territory in terms of dealing with, with kids. I mean, Calvin is this character who, you know, he's, he's unapologetically selfish in, yes. in his way, you know, and demands that the world respond to his whims and uh, and if it doesn't, he goes off and, and creates his own world in, in his mind. Uh, sure. You know, he spends a lot of time there. And his only friend is this tiger that he creates. I mean, his best yes. friend. And and so, you know, Calvin is is in, it, he represents well, what does he represent? He represents that that aspect of ourselves that is innately solipsistic and selfish and and uh, wants the world to respond to us when we want it to respond but he he also represents something of of childhood too uh, of children as well and his parents are long suffering <laughs> it, 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 in some sense there's an undercurrent of that quality not the escape into imagination that Calvin has, but there's something of that quality in what you're doing with foul language too. This recognition that the kids can be, well, very limited in their perception of the world. It's limited by their age and their experience and the fact that they're kids and, and it's, it's what's in front of them right now instead of, uh, the greater good and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's just inherent in children and it's the sort of thing where Schultz did that a, a bit is spread out through a the, the kids who are very needy or kind of self-centered. And then uh, then Watterson, of course, just kind of made that like very much so in, in Calvin, as you said, you know, just the how kids aren't the most altruistic bunch, especially when they're young. You know, it's like it's me, 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 me. You know, it's all about how does this benefit, you know, myself. And you, you're just like, 
twisting their arms into like, okay, there's other people in the world who, you know, they have to consider, you know, like your, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your whatever. And uh, yeah, that's, that's very, very hard. So, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to see like that the, the uh, the founding cartoonists of like, uh, like how they handled this, like it versus like, you know, the kind of two dimensional port uh, portrayals and maybe older comics. Yeah. So, uh, what kind of, um, I mean, do you have any current comics that you are, uh, fond of that, that you read on a regular basis or are you just too busy making stuff? You know, I, I don't read as many as I'd like. There's, uh, a handful of comics like Jim Benton. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. Uh, He's amazing. And he just does stuff on, it just, his comics and just like Jim Benton and he's just, um, you know, he's another guy he did, um, for a long while he was known for, uh, uh, he happy bunny was this, uh, character that was on all sorts of t-shirts. It was like it's some sort of a billion dollar marketing, whatever thing really? that was sold. Yeah. It was huge. And it was just this kind of, wow, I missed that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was sold on, you know, all sorts of merchandise, whatever. And he did greeting cards and, uh, he's huge on the internet and he's probably maybe a little bit older than myself or something. And yet, and he also does, uh, he's, oh gosh, he's written any number of series of books. And was it, uh, Frank Eastein? Uh, it's just like these young adults sort of, okay. uh, and he's just so prolific and amazing and, uh, yeah, I, I, he's the sort of guy, like, again, I'm an old man, but he's who I want to be when I grow up kind of thing. <laughs> so it's like, it's the sort of thing where I read his stuff and like, it just seems like every time, uh, I, I see him post something, it's just like, I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's, you know, yet again, the funniest thing I've, you know, seen you write. It's just, he's just killing it. And then, uh, and there's an, an just a handful of like smaller web cartoonists out there. And then, uh, uh, you know, there's, um, Will Henry, who's amazing. Yeah, sure. Who's a traditional, uh, paper. So who I had the pleasure, uh, of meeting this past year and getting to spend some time with. He's just an absolute delight. Um, you know, so, and then my friend, uh, Nick Selleck, you know, who does, uh, the awkward Yeti and, uh, heart and brain. And, and there, there's, it's mostly web cartoonists now that I, I get to kind of meet and rub elbows with now who are kind of like my influences. And then at Hallmark, there was, uh, a lot of the people that I was just around kind of helped form who I became as a cartoonist that just kind of. Uh, that day-to-day trying to better yourself and, you know, friendly competition and whatever. It's just so, but yeah, if I had to pick one guy, it'd probably be Jim Benton. And uh, if you're not familiar with him, I, I can't recommend him enough. He's just absolutely hilarious and dark and wonderful. I will absolutely look him up. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I'm afraid to say, sorry to say that I'm not. So yeah. I will definitely look him up. So where do you get most of your traffic from? I know you're, you've got a Patreon page. You've got your own website, foullanguage.com, and you're on Go Comics. And where else are you found on the web? And what is the most successful uh, venue f- through which people get foul yeah. language? Uh, you know, I think the vast majority of my fans, uh, I think, are on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. which is frustrating because of all the stupid algorithms and such that Facebook does to choke the uh, the, the traffic to my site, you know, unless I pay them. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, you know, hey, I'm not making virtually any money off of this, but I'll pay you $500 so people yeah. can see my cartoon. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's ridiculous you know it's yeah. it's like having a lemonade stand and paying you know a hundred dollars so people will give you a quarter for your lemonade it's like that doesn't seem like a viable work <laughs> like, you know i'm yeah. i'm no economist but that, that that seems like a you know like a a bad way to go um so <laughs> but yeah that's that's just the way it is but uh so facebook and instagram are kind of the the two big ones that people uh, read my stuff. Usually if somebody comes up to me, um, at a convention or something, they'll say like, Oh yeah, my friend shares your stuff all the time on Instagram or 
Facebook or whatever, and that's where I discovered you. And so that's kind of been uh, the the two biggest places where uh, people get my stuff. I mean, it, the traffic I get to my site is pretty minimal, you know, like, but yeah, it, it seems like social media is definitely the, uh, uh, the, the way almost everybody gets my stuff. And, you know, to a lesser, I have a Twitter and yet, that's you know has remained. I have about thirty thousand fans there, and that that grows very slowly. That for me, that's more of a just something where, like, I'll go over there and you know I'll post my cartoons, but then I'm also like complaining about lunch or my neighbors or whatever. You know, that's just kind of a place where I'm like, eh, no one's reading this, so I can just kind of complain or bitch about whatever I want to or make stupid jokes or it. it it's kind of a, a fun place for me to. Sometimes I'll. Uh, write a cartoon or write a joke and post it on Twitter and just in word form and I'll see like is this something and so I'll kind of write a cart I'll write a joke post it there and if it just dies immediately I'll be like nope glad I didn't draw that one you know <laughs> like that's yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah that that saves me four panels of duck drawings right there that <laughs> that wasn't the, you know where there's other times where I'll write something and I'll get a big response. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll finish that into an actual drawn cartoon. So, um, so, but yeah, Instagram and Facebook are the two big Instagram. Ones. And so on Instagram, it's foul language comics or is it foul? Just foul uh, language? I think it's, uh, yeah, I, Oh God, I'm, I shouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. If you were just to do a search on Instagram for foul language comics and there's, I, what's funny is there's a, a few copycats out there who also they're like be like foul language comics they'll be like foul language cartoons or something <laughs> and and they have like 300 fans or something and i'm like guys no i uh, okay whatever no, but, it's foul language comics i just pulled it up so oh good, yeah, good. 430,000 followers man that's pretty awesome oh thank you yeah, yeah it's great. uh so um, on facebook it'll be the same Foul yes. language comics as well, so people can find yes. it there by yes. the same. So foul, make sure you, those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with it, it's F O W L uh, language comics. And oh man, is there two L's? I didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, uh, it's just foul, and then no. So yeah, so it's two different yeah, words. Two, uh, it's two L's. Yep. So uh, yeah, so the, people can find it there. Uh, and so you find that the the site on Go Comics is in a huge addition to your uh, audience. In that regard, it's mostly elsewhere, mostly on social media. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, there's a, uh, it, Go Comics has been a little flat for me as growth wise. You know, I'm happy to get fans wherever I can get a fan, but um, yeah, it seems like Facebook and Instagram are kind of the, okay. the two biggest uh, uh, places where people typically find my work. You know, so. And so you've got a third book coming out, you said? I actually had a third book come out last year. So last year. So when's yes. your next one? I uh, I don't know. Hopefully well, that's up to my publisher. But uh, yeah, I've got that. And then uh, my wife and I are, are currently working on um, some uh, a, a separate project now. We're uh, we're working on some uh, uh, young adult kind of uh, along lines of uh, like uh, the uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid or that sort of thing. Really. Where, Yes. So uh, this is a scoop. <laughs> yes. There you go. Here's the big oh, scoop. Uh, what's your yeah, wife's we're, name? She's the author. Uh, yes, Cat uh, Hollier. Uh, Hollier. And okay. yeah, she's. Uh, um, I, I we had someone reach out to us about developing something, and uh, they're like, "Oh, you should write a book. We like your cartoons." And I'm like, "Oh, sure." And so I'm like, "Oh, but um, me no write good long form." So uh, <laughs> like so. I'm like, oh, but wait, I'm married to somebody that knows how to do that sort of thing. So, so we kind of pitch them some ideas, and we've got a a, a book idea that uh, we kind of went down the the path with one publisher, and then at the last minute they decided to go a different direction, and that's fine. But we are talking with my uh, library agent, and she's <laughs> unfortunately she's on maternity leave right now. But we're we're hoping, and I have high hopes that it's it's going to become something, and hopefully be something big. I hope or lucrative or help keep the lights on or something. So yeah, uh, sure. yeah so it's the you know I have no intentions of of stopping foul language, but it's the sort of thing where just to 
keep pushing myself uh, creatively and, you know, like keep it interesting. And it's like, and just the, the nagging fears that one day the, the internet will decide like, we don't like ducks anymore. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> it's like, 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 okay, well I do have this other thing, you know? So um, yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, a young adult novel about this. It's kind of a X-Files for the tween set. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's, right. uh, uh, I have, I have high hopes that it'll, it'll be published and we can loop back in a, another year and talk all about that one or something. So, okay, great, uh, great. That's fantastic. So, uh, you know, I think that's wonderful. Uh, collaboration, you know, husband, wife collaboration on a new book yeah. and, and something for tweens, which is a great market. And, uh, and it does expand your, uh, your reach and your base and your viability. And, uh, I think that's terrific. So we'll look forward to that and make okay. sure you, you reach out and let me know about that. And when it starts to look like it's going to happen. Yeah, I certainly will. Yeah. Well, Brian, this has been fantastic. Uh, it's, so it's been, you know, two hours have gone by and I barely uh, realized. So, so much, it seems like we've covered a lot of ground up. So, uh, I, I hope this has been informative and fun for the audience as much as it's been for us. Uh, I've had a great time. So oh, likewise. And yeah. thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll, you know, one of these days we'll have to do it again, but, uh, I love the strip. Good luck with it and, you know, keep them coming because it's terrific. It really is fun. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And that's where we'll leave it for now with Brian Gordon and Foul Language. Be sure to check out Foul Language on Instagram at Foul Language Comics, uh, on the web at FoulLanguageComics.com, where you can buy Foul Language for the Fridge in wonderful, frameable prints of his very, very funny comics. And you can foul, fo- you can foul, <laughs> follow foul. <laughs> you can follow foul say that three times fast uh you can follow foul language on facebook and twitter as well okay (laughs) that's that's a difficult one to say okay so but i did it right and so be sure to do that uh be sure to show brian your support uh, terrific creator, terrific comics artist, and he is he is deserving of all of the fans he can get. A, a surfeit of fans. Um, he could use uh, surplus fans, even. No matter how many, it's never enough. So, big news, big news. I, I got off the phone just about an hour or so ago with... Lynn Johnston. Yes, indeed. Today I had my second conversation with Lynn, and boy, oh boy, is that going to be some episode. She was wonderful. Uh, what a delight to talk to her. Uh, she's just, she's funny. She's great. She's, she's just, you know, forthcoming, all kinds of information. And uh, we had, over the course of two days, we had two very wonderful conversations. And I am so thankful to her for taking the time to speak with me and talk about her career and her wonderful comic strip. It was it was a delight. It was great. I, I had the best time, and uh, it was a real honor for me. So uh, very exciting. So that episode, episode one of that two-part interview, is going to be uploaded and available on Apple Podcasts the week of March 10th. So be looking for it, okay? It's definitely going up that week. And uh, part two will follow the following week. (laughs) Kind of makes sense, right? So uh, things are happening here on Blockhead. Don't forget to check me out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jeff Grogan. Whatever level you choose to support the podcast at, uh, I am greatly appreciative. There, There are a number of different things available for you if you choose to support me and the podcast and uh, check it out because I can't remember the list right now. I, I spent a lot of time writing it up, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But there are snippets, you know, preview snippets from upcoming shows. There'll be special shows that will be done just for Patreon supporters and a number of other things that aren't available anyplace else. And there's Plastic Baby Heads from Outer Space and Jetpack Jr., which aren't going to be anyplace else. And I don't know, maybe even Spiking the Lens is going to show up there. And uh, so check it out, okay? See if it's something that you you can find your way to support. I really appreciate it. If you can't, that's cool too. 
I really still appreciate your listening to the podcast. And uh, if you want to support me but you can't do Patreon, well, head over to um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting this podcast and leave me a review. Leave a, a five-star review. It does gr- wonders for bringing other people into the podcast, and that's that's big support too. Uh, I really appreciate your words and uh, and your um, support. So thanks. Next time, oh boy, we've got Lynn Johnston, part one and two, one right after the other. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. She is wonderful. She's a terrific guest, and uh, this is going to be something special. You, you're you're going to just look forward to it because it's great. And, well, we've reached the end of another day, another episode. The sun is going down. It's getting cold. The wind is picking up. Time to stay inside, listen to podcasts, okay? And uh, all I can say is, once again, thanks for listening.